Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Lord is speaking, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat, nor about your body, what you shall put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Oh, how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a cupid to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O men of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be of anxious mind. For all the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things shall be yours as well. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Lord, help us to believe what you tell us today. And let me call to your attention that 32nd verse where the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to all those who believe in him and God, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Have you ever believed that you are part owner of a fabulous kingdom? Some years ago now, you remember the Olio Empire was left to a young man. And that young man decided that he did not want the responsibility for that empire and all that wealth. And so he rejected it. And if my memory serves me right, I believe that there was a court contested case in relation to it. I've forgotten how that uh, court case came out. I think that the ruling was that he did not have to claim the empire that was left to him, but he would have to sign certain papers and documents to free himself of that uh, responsibility. Well, I would hope this morning that we're not as foolish, perhaps, as that young man, and yet I can understand why he did not want to accept such a heavy responsibility uh, for such an empire. But, beloved, you and I, too, have been called to a place deliberately on the part of God and where he has given us part of his fabulous kingdom. Now, we really don't know exactly what that means because, you see, the surveyors are still out there trying to tell us how great the universe is, and no one really knows. All the gold and the silver has not been weighed and counted as of yet and probably never will be. How fabulous is the empire and the kingdom? that God has left to you and to me. I read not too long ago someone was speculating what would happen within the future. 
And they said something would happen to the great powerful countries now, like Saudi Arabia that is so wealthy because of their oil. Said it would be something like has happened to the British Empire in time to come, the thing that will happen to this fabulous rich country, that all that equipment will rust away and go back into the sands, will claim it. Uh, when the oil ceases to flow, unless there's some other way for that kingdom to support itself, it will go back and to be a very poverty-stricken nation. But you and I have been given a kingdom and part of it that time doesn't have any way with it. Neither moth nor rust will corrupt it. My, what a kingdom. And the thing that amazes me is that Jesus is saying that it's a good pleasure of the Father, it pleases the Father, or happy is the Father, to give to you and to me this kingdom. Beloved, I wonder if we really believe that. How many of us really believe uh, that we are part owners of a fabulous kingdom? Now, beloved, if that's not so, uh, we must discredit what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here. But perhaps the question that we would need to give some consideration to, how can I experience this kingdom? It's one thing to say that I have it and we believe the Lord Jesus Christ and so we believe that we do. But it's another thing for us to be able to experience this kingdom. Not just something that is a mental consent to, but how can I emotionally get a hold of this fabulous thing that has been given to me? Can I experience it? Can I emotionally get a hold of it? Well, of course you can. Not something that is just locked within your mind, that something is way out there somewhere, a dream or something, but something that can become a reality of your life, just as much of a reality that you at this moment know that you have a body. And beloved, for us to be able to experience it, I would like to suggest just two or three things quickly to you. We need to start right where we are. And beloved, that seems to be the hardest thing for us to do, to start right where you are. But why is it that we want to put it off until tomorrow? Beloved, as long as we have the attitude that I'm going to do something tomorrow, we will never experience the greatness of the kingdom of God as long as you delay action. Consider with me the situation that we're in at this very moment. You know, we're told by the propaganda from the other countries of the world, especially those that are controlled by communism, that it's the... It's a makeup for the workers. And we're supposed to swallow this stuff. Even though they have one of the greatest armed forces that can be produced by man in order to keep their workers at the job. They build great walls and great fences around their country in order that the workmen might not escape from that promised land. When Jesus was talking to the disciples and gave them this bit of information about God and about his kingdom and what God was doing, and what God had already done and the response that they should make to it, Rome was a very cruel nation in which to live, especially for the Jewish people. When we think about our situation, we are privileged to live in a great land. There are those people within the world that would give everything that they have. In fact, they would, and they do daily, walk away from their whole accumulation of life in order to be able to come to this country. You are free to come and to go as you will. 
I read not too long ago this book that someone gave to me and this uh, lady that had written it was from Germany. And she was originally, I think, probably from Poland. And anyway, she tells her story. And she tells her story about being in this country and deciding her and her husband and children decided to leave from the state in which she was and they wanted to go to California, clear across the continent. And so they asked their friends who they had to get permission from in order to make this trip. Who do we have to see to get permission to move from here to California? And she said she was ever surprised that the friend told her, well, you don't have to get permission from anyone. If you've got the money and the means of transportation, get in your car, pack your goods, and take off. She couldn't believe that this was so. But have to report to someone where I'm going. Well, you don't have to report to anyone. And then, think about this. You have time to apply your heart and your soul. What if you work 16 hours a day, seven days a week? You might tell me that you find it hard and difficult to be a part of God's people. You find it difficult to give him the time that is needed. You find it difficult to give your church the time that it asks of you. Beloved, you can't experience the greatness of the kingdom of God unless you begin to experience something of the greatness of his people. Unless you commit yourself. Commit yourself. And then think of this. The problem in this country is not food. I hear more people talking about going on a diet than I hear of them talking about being hungry. There was a teacher talking to a class of just little folk. And so she was talking something about the hunger within the world and she's trying to convey to them that how wonderful it is to be in this land where we have plenty of food. And she asked her little class, she said, now how many of you have ever gone to bed hungry? And she surprised one little girl held up her hand. She'd gone to bed hungry. And so the teacher uh, inquired father, well, how did this happen? She said, well, she says, I got all my father's pipes together and I put them in the sink and I washed them for him because they smelt bad. And said, he made me go to bed without giving me an evening meal. Well, that's about the way it would happen. It'd have to be that way. We do not know what it is by and large uh, within this country to be on a starvation diet. One has said that came to this country, the thing that really amazed him about it was, was the size of our garbage cans. And you have been told of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been told of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been told how he cares for you, what God has done for you. You know, when I was thinking about this, I began to think in terms of, well, how was it that God's people way back when knew that they belonged to God and to his kingdom. How did they know that they were a special, peculiar people? How did they know that they'd been set aside to do a fantastic job for God and his kingdom? And I began to trace it. And you know how they knew it? Because God spoke to certain people. They had their prophets. They had Moses. They had Abraham. They had David. They had Elijah. They had those people that God spoke to and in turn they told the people that you are God's people. You are God's people. And they began to believe that they were God's people. And then they looked around and they took note of the way that God had blessed them. They had been blessed with a country and a nation. They had been blessed with food and, and other things. And so they concluded that God was really their God and they were a special people. 
And beloved, everything that you can bring up to say that these people of God of long ago knew that they belonged to God and to his kingdom, I can add about ten to every one that you can suggest. What God has done for us in this hour, at this very time that we live. Now, beloved, let us decide who we are and what we are at this moment. You know, we're sort of a trinity, really. We're made up of a body, mind, and soul. But the way we go about this business of living, you would think that we were only a body. It is true that we're pretty hedonistic within this society in which we live today. And how much of our time and effort is given to us that we spend on ourselves in order that we might enjoy some kind of a pleasure or be at ease or be comfortable? Do we not spend a great deal of our time in this direction? Now, beloved, it's nothing wrong with us knowing that this body of ours needs certain things and we ought to see that it has those certain things for it to be uh, what it ought to be because we are told in no uncertain terms that this body is the temple of God and here is a place where God dwells with us and that's right. And so logically and rightly it should come by certain things. It has the right to be comfortable to a degree. It has the right for shelter and clothing and food and for rest and so on. But do we come to the place where we make this the only thing that we're really interested in? When people consider us, what do they really think? The only thing that we really are concerned about is this physical body of ours. We are a mind. And what a mind that needs books, that needs to have time to meditate, it needs time to dream, time to plan. It needs to be fed. How many of us are so concerned about our mind? Now, we spend some time every week trying to feed this thing. Or do we say, by the way we starve it, that we're only a body? One reason we have a book table here is because we feel that we ought to stimulate this mind of ours because it is a thing that is so akin to God. My, what a marvelous thing it is to be able to have a mind that can think the thoughts of a living God. That is fantastic. And you are so created, eternal, to love and to be loved. Is it not so that man's highest happiness can be had uh, when he comes to the place where he can share his being and where he can share his wealth. I'll tell you that there's nothing in all of God's creation and kingdom that will stand you above that. When you can come to the place to see that you are a soul and for you to be at one with God, you will come to the place where you'll do exactly what he has done. You will begin to share your being and you will share your wealth with those uh, that are around about you. The greatest gift that you can give to this world, that you can give to God, and that you can give to your family, is for you to expand the person that God created you to be. It's just as simple as that, or just as profound as that statement. Now to claim this fortune, and to experience it beyond this, what can I do? I have two things to suggest to you and then we're going to go home. The first thing I would suggest to you, if you have not done so, 
that you need to commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that simply means that you should surrender, commit, dedicate, whatever you want to call it. But you've got to do something like O Zacchaeus of long ago that Luke talks about too. You remember that Jesus went home with him and after Jesus had been with him at meal, you remember that uh, uh, this man began to understand something about the Lord Jesus Christ and his relation to him. And he made a commitment, but he made it in this way. He got up and said to the group that were there and to the Lord Jesus Christ, if I have robbed any man, I will repay him. If I have taken anything for false accusation, I will give it back. And Jesus said this day, salvation has come to your home. I don't care how you do it, what terminology you use, somehow, some way, if you have not committed yourself to Christ, beloved, do it before the sun goes down. Do the greatest thing you've ever done or you'll ever will do or you ever possibly can do. You may do some great and fantastic things in this world, young people, but the greatest thing that you could ever possibly do is within your reach at this hour, at this very moment, if you can understand what I'm saying, and that is for you to commit yourself to Christ. Oh, and then you release in your life and have the possibility of doing it, the power of God himself. Second thing I'll do. Oh, you say, well, I have committed myself to Christ. And I don't experience what you're trying to say this morning. I know that what's said is so about the food and freedom and how God has blessed us and so on. But I want something more personal that I can get a hold of. Now, how can I do it? Beloved, what is it that you really want in life? Think with me just a moment. What God has done, it just amazes me. He has given you the ability and the capability for you to plan, to think. For you to decide what it is that you need to fulfill you. And every one of us is a little different. But you know or have some concept or you ought to of what you need, you need in order to be fulfilled completely and totally like you've never been fulfilled before. What is it? Be careful. Be careful. You choose carefully what I'm telling you if you have a mind to do it because you're going to come up with something that's going to surprise you. You see, you have the ability and capability because God created you this way that you can see it now as someone saw this building before it was ever put here. It was a thought and a mind of a person or a group of people. It was only a thought at one time. Think what you want to be fulfilled with. And then you have the marvelous ability to hone this and make it sharp and focus it on the screen of your mind and you can play it there. You can see it beautifully. You can see it. If it comes down to the place where you've done what I'm telling you to do, you can see it in sharp focus as if it was a reality. I can see it. Exactly what I want and what I'd like to have in order to be fulfilled as God's person. Hold it there. And you watch out what will happen. A young lady, not of this church, of the Catholic faith, came because she was greatly distressed and she thought that I could help her. She heard that it might be of some help to her. And over a period of time we talked and it came out again and again that the thing that she thought that she needed to fulfill her was a new home. There wasn't anything necessarily wrong with her old home. Only with some things about it I began to understand and see 
uh, that reminded her of her childhood. And as a result of that, it had an emotional disturbance about it that was very deep-seated, and she didn't quite understand it, and I didn't think she needed to know it, and so I didn't talk to her about it. But these things disturbed her about the house because of what had happened years before in her life. And I said to her after a period of time, maybe six or eight months, I've forgotten now, and I said, is this what you really want? And she said, yes, this is what I want. I said, well, pick it out in your mind. I said, now, don't be skimpy about the situation. Pick out a home in your mind that you would like to have that you think would be adequate for you and for your little family. Because she told me again and again, this was an impossibility. I can never have this home. Because my husband says no, and we do not have the money to be able to buy a home. We don't have. He says, no, I said, don't bug your husband anymore about this. Seems to me you have a wonderful husband and he's doing the best he can. Don't bug him, but pick this out in your mind. Bring it into sharp focus. The next time you come in, I want you to tell me about it. And she did, and the next time she came in, she told me about it again. And then she began to improve and didn't need to come anymore. And for about six months, I never heard from her. And then one day the telephone rang. She says, I need to talk to you now. I said, come. She came in. She says, the most marvelous thing has happened since the last time I talked to you. She says, I have my new home and I'm already moved in. I said, how in the world did this happen? She says, well, tell you the truth, I don't really know. I don't really know. She says, well, one thing I do know, I know that it started with me trying to understand what I needed and forming it in my mind and seeking God's help on it. Does that seem too simple to you? Well, beloved, that's the way it starts. And there's a law that controls addresses, a law controls the universe and controls the coming and the going of the sun. You can depend on it. You can depend on it. You know the tragedy. The tragedy of tragedies of the prodigal son that Luke talks about too is not the young man that demanded his part of his family's wealth and went into a far country and spent it foolishly, though that was tragic enough. But if you want to really to see the tragedy, you take a look at this younger brother and the older son that stayed at home with his attitude. And it comes out where the father is saying to his older son, when he accuses him of not giving to him a fatted calf and so forth and so on and so on. And the father said to that older son, he said to him, everything that I have is shared or could be shared with you in effect. It's yours. Then the tragedy of it is, is to be seen in this simple statement. Isn't it a tragedy that this older son did not claim what was rightfully his to be used the way that he wanted to use it to fulfill him. The father would gladly have given it to him. Our tragedy, and yours is, if there be one, is that you do not claim what God has already given to you. He is ready and willing to share it with you. And if you will lay claim to it, and put yourself in a position where he can do what he wants to do in and through you. Fear not, little flock. 
It is your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom, and beloved, that is now, at this hour. Try my suggestion and see what happens. Our Father, help us to believe and help us to act, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.